If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, we'll begin with a very uh, familiar scripture. But I just want to preach to you this morning on this thought. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I want us to look at a couple of things here, three or four things here that that uh, that is applied to this scripture that we can uh, be applied to our heart, be applied to our life as well. But let me just go ahead and say, and of course those of you that's been attending church here for some time, you already know this, but anytime that you feel like you needed to come to the altar, you come anytime you want to. The altar is always open, and we, we appreciate you being obedient to do that. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. They realized that they had been with Jesus. I will tell you, that takes, that, that takes care of everything right there. If you can be with the Lord every now and then, it'll, it'll take care of your issues. If you just get along with Jesus every now and then, you, your problems will be all right. Amen? I know we all go through some stuff, and i gotta, I got to get my message here, but let me just stop here and let's say this. I know we all go through some stuff, but if you could just get with Jesus, that stuff will be all right. The stuff will be all right. These guys had been with the Lord. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go out aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that is a notable miracle that has been done through them and is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that, pe- so that it spread no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. That from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said this. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so when they had further threatened them. They let them go finding no way of punishing them. No way of punishing them because of the people since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And so when they heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles, for the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their hearts, look on their threats, rather, and grant to your servants with, with, that with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that by signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant. And when they had prayed, listen, when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. Everybody say shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Can I tell you something? There's 
something powerful when you come together with God's people and you begin to pray. There's something powerful when you come together with God's people and people of God begin to worship the Lord. The scripture says when these, when these got together, when they prayed, Brother Rains, the place where they were began to shake and the power of God filled, filled this place. Now you remember the story about this, this man that was healed and, and these men in this chapter four, they, they stood here and they witnessed the courage of Peter and John were, then they, and then these guys, these religious leaders of the day were in a huge dilemma of that day because when you think about it no matter which way they turned they were trapped when they were trying to deal with this situation they they could not deny the miracle of this lame man because the bible says he was some 40 years old and there he was they was they were seeing it evident with their own eyes that he had was lame and he had been healed because he was standing there on his own and not only standing there but he but the bible says he was shouting and he was leaping and he was praising god they knew him as a lame man but now this lame man was beginning to shout and this lame man began to dance before the Lord. I don't know how you would feel, but if I was lame from my, from my mother's womb and I could not walk and all of a sudden one day there was a man by the name of Jesus came by and the power of the name of Jesus and, and disciples by the name of Peter and John came by and, and, and I got my healing. I'm not just going to stand there. I'm going to shout before the Lord and thank God for my healing. And that's exactly what these, this man done. They wasn't perfect. Professionals like the scribes, they were not ministers even, at least not officially, and these men had only one claim to fame. They were simply disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that was the one small problem because according to the Jews, this guy by the name of Jesus was dead, but his power was still alive. His strength, his name was still alive. Now there's three or four things I want you to notice this morning in Scripture that seems to point out concerning, concerning Peter and John. The first thing is this. These guys had courage. They had courage. They, they defied the authorities in Jerusalem. And they knew that if they defied the authorities, Brother Roger, it could get them a quick execution. But they had the courage to defy these. The second thing I want you to notice this morning is these guys, according to Scripture, was unschooled. They, they weren't educated. They were uneducated. They had no formal religious training whatsoever. They were ordinary guys, the third thing. They were just simply ordinary guys. They, they had no religious qualifications whatsoever. And the fourth thing is simply this. They had been taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the Bible says they had been with Jesus. Let me say one more time. If you're down and out and you got issues that you're going through, just get along with Jesus. Because if you get with Jesus, everything will be all right. Everything will, will come into its place because you'll begin to recognize who he is. You'll begin to recognize his authority. You begin to recognize his healing power. You begin to recognize that there is power in the name of Jesus. I mean, I can remember times in my life, Sister Dad, when, when I couldn't pray anything else, all I could do is just call on the name of Jesus, and it seemed like everything was all right after that. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? That's just a name. Oh, no, no, no. It's not just a name. It is the name above every name. It's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the ruler of our life today. He is our soon coming King. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, here's the problem with these guys. The Jews were really responsible for the crucifixion. They hated Jesus, and, and these two men were his disciples. I mean, if you know that the Sanhedrin had, had, uh, didn't have very many options at this point. 
They say the Sanhedrin is made up of 70 members plus a high priest. And they were basically considered the supreme court of that day. And the final authority in religious matters rested on these guys. But they had come to the conclusion that the punishment was not necessary. But they still had the problem that they could not deny what happened to this guy. Because there he was. There he was standing. And so it brings us to a very important point. Here's the point. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary work. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. How many of you are ordinary in the house? How many are you extraordinary? I thought I'd get one or two hands. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary work. It's always amazed me that God would choose certain people to do his work today. Myself included and yourself included. But he chooses ordinary, average people. When you when you look back in history, the events that, that took place on September the 11th, and we, and we talk about that several times. There's a couple of guys, that a man and a woman that, that was married that I want to talk about this morning just real quick. Lisa Beamer, who is the wife of Todd Beamer. Many of you read along that. And he was the he was one of the men that, that was on the terrorist flight of 93 and that caused the plane to go down in the field rather than our nation's capital. Lisa said this about her husband. He was an ordinary guy. He was ordinary to his family, but to the world he was extraordinary. And you already know the story, but they said Todd was on flight 93 and he was headed for, for San Francisco and on that tragic day nearly 3,000 people were killed and Todd Beamer was on that flight and when it became evident they said that the terrorists were going to take the plane down, that they had apparently already killed the pilot that Todd knew that he was going down as well and the story goes that everyone on the plane was going to be taken down as well and so Todd Beamer picked up the phone on the airplane and he called the airline they said and he spoke to an agent and he told her they were being hijacked and he prayed with her and they recited the Lord's prayer together and then he told this agent I want you to call my wife and tell her I love her and tell my boys that I love him too and he put the phone down he didn't hang it up he just put it down and the agent said that he remained on the line she heard a lot of screams she heard a lot of noise and she heard those last final words of Todd Beamer when he said let's roll let's roll and those were the words that his wife Lisa said that he said many times at home Todd had enlisted another man they said by the name of Jeremy Click and together they guided that plane down to a field where they would where there would, would be no other tragedies and instead of landing in the nation's capital they landed in this field. What are you talking about pastor? This was an ordinary guy doing an extraordinary thing because the need arose. Amen. And he will never be forgotten. Well, Peter and John was a couple of those same individuals. They was ordinary guys. They, they didn't have any education but they had an extraordinary commitment. And the things that they did to help launch the early church was certainly not ordinary. That's why we're here today. That's why we're worshiping the Lord today. That's why we feel what we feel today. Because of these guys that lifted up their hands and it didn't matter. They was going to let the name of Jesus go forth. And there were all kinds of people that God used even then and even today because they break away from the norm. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm comfortable. I'm sitting in my pew. Well, some of you need to get a little uncomfortable. And you need to get outside the pew. And you need to get outside the church and do the work of Almighty God. Because God has not called you to come and sit on the pew. He's not called you just to come. 
come and take up space. He's not called you just to be a good little church member and come in and pay your tithes and do this maybe and sing in the choir. No, there's something so much more that we can offer to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, my God, and he come and died for me. He shed his blood for me. So, Brother Sam, when I get the opportunity, I need to do what God has called me to do. Amen. And I'll tell you this much, and you may, not, you may disagree with me. But if you ain't doing nothing for Christ, you're in danger. If you ain't doing nothing for Christ, you're in danger this morning. Why, Pastor? Because of slipping back. It gets easy to slip back. It gets easy if you're not committed. It gets easy not to show up to church if you're not committed. It gets easy not to, not to commit to things if you're not committed to the Lord. Hello. Just being honest with you. You want to get better in your life? Then commit yourself to the Lord. I'm not saying you've got to commit yourself to me. Commit yourself to the Lord. If you commit yourself to the Lord, everything else will work itself out. Hallelujah. Yes, it will. The second thing we notice is this. God's people at times must make difficult choices. Difficult choices. Will you obey God or will you obey man? When you look down in this chapter, this is a difficult circumstance for anybody. Don't you consider these verses of Scripture? The Bible says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. And we'll get back to that in just a little bit. In 1 Timothy 2 and 2, the Bible says, For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and it pleases God the Savior. In Romans 13 and 1 in the Living Bible, it says, Obey the government, for God is the one who has put it there. There is no government anywhere that God has not placed in its power. Can I tell you, Washington does not have the answers to meet your need today. The politicians does not need, does not have the answers to meet your needs today. It all comes in the name of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, they wouldn't be where they are if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ. You wouldn't be where you are if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why every day when we get up, Sister Annette, and we can thank God, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for putting breath in my body today. I want to thank you for giving me breath that I can breathe and live for you. And not only that, give me a voice that I can simply praise your name. Amen. Hallelujah. Acts 5 and 29 says, but Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. Now, now here's the free principles here. Let, let me slow down a little bit so you can get this. Give God what is God's. Give God what is God. Give the government what is theirs. Don't confuse the two. Don't give your tithe to the government. Don't, don't give your tax money to the church. I don't know if you ever heard me say that before. You know, most preachers, you know, we, we, we get accused all the time, oh, they just want the money, just want the money. I'm going to tell you, this ain't my church. This is God's church. This is God's church. So when you pay your tithe, you're paying it to God. You ain't paying it to me. Amen. And if you think you're going to withhold your tithe, then withhold it. Because you ain't blessing nobody. You're only harming yourself. You're not following the principles of the book. Amen. So if, that, if, 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 if that's what you want to do, then so be it. I'm not going to come and knock on your door and say, hey, did you know? Uh-uh. you gotta, you got to work this out between you and the Lord. But when you become open to those things, you become obedient to those things, you're, you're going to follow what the principles of Almighty God says. Amen. So don't, don't give your tax money to the church. If your employer or anyone, for that matter, asks you to do something unethical or immoral, don't do it. Don't do it. 
Find another job if, you, if, if necessary. But obey God. And when you obey God, you will increase your testimony by being a good citizen. Pray for the government. Get involved in those things. Go vote this, this, this coming week. Our country was founded on Christian principles. And it's up to you as believers to make sure that these principles stay in place. All you've got to do for the government to go to hell in a handbasket is nothing. Come on, somebody. We want to fuss and we want to complain about this going on and that going on. And who's in charge here? Well, get up and do something about it. What do I got to do, Pastor? You need to go vote. You need to exercise your rights, amen, as a child of God. Scripture in Mark chapter 12 says that deals with the Pharisees. I love this. Deals with the Pharisees and the Herodians trying to trick Jesus by asking him a question about money. Matter of fact, you can turn to Mark chapter 12 and it says in verse 13, Then they sent him to some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and that you care about no one. For you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. So is it lawful then to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Everybody remembers that, that scripture. We use it a lot of time. Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, why do you test me? Bring me a Daenerys that I may see it. And they brought him a Daenerys. And he said to them, whose image? Say that with me. Whose image? Whose image and inscription is on this? And they said to him, it is Caesar's. And Jesus answered and said, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And the Bible says they marveled at his response. I want you to understand. I want you to see what's going on. Gee, they tried, they tried to trick him. They tried to they tried to mess him up, and they asked him this question. And they said, just bring me, bring me a coin, bring me a denarii. Whose picture, whose, whose picture is on, whose image is on this? And they said, Lord, it is Caesar's. All right, if it's Caesar's, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And then you give, give to God what is God's. You know why that's so exciting? They said, Pastor, what are, you, what are you talking about? Because my Bible tells me that you and I, we're made into the image of Almighty God. And if we are the image of Almighty God, our life belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't belong to government, it belongs to the Lord. We can work in the government, but our life, our tribute belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because I'm made in the image of Jesus Christ. He formed me. He made me. You may not like the way I look, but he loves the way I look. You may not like everything about me, but that's all right. He's working on me. I'm still a work in progress. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. You ain't listening to nothing I'm saying this morning, are you? I'm made in the image of the Lord. I know I'm five foot six. I know I'm a little heavy. I know I ain't got no hair up on my head, but I'm still part of God's family. I'm still his child. I'm still doing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though the, though the enemy tries to come in and slay me, as Job said, though he try, I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to give. Why? Because I'm made in the image of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, give him praise in the house. This passage gives us a third truth. When you look at verse 21 through 28, you'll see that God is in control. God's in control. You're not. God is in control. You're not. Well, God's not going to tell me where to go. You're not in control. You're not in control. We aren't. His ultimate purpose will be carried out. The politicians here of this day were losing their influence. They had attempted to intimidate Peter. 
They attempted to intimidate John, but, but it didn't work. And many times it does, it does, but not with these two guys. They, they had no basis for punishment when they talked to him. Some politicians feel they need to play to the crowd. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, we, we're, we're, in a, we're in a political time right now. you got TV commercials coming across your television set like I do. They're promising you everything. And they'll, they'll promise this, they'll promise that. Gas is going down. I just wonder how much it'll go up when the election's over. I don't know, I'm just, just, a, just a thought. Why is that, Pat? Because we're in a political season. And politician, even back then and is even today, they'll promise you everything. And, 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 they, and they, they, they play the crowd. And in this case, all the people were praising God for what had happened because of this lame man. And the politicians had completely lost control of the crowd. Hallelujah. They completely lost control of the crowd. Why? Because God's people had moved in. Now, I ain't got time to stop right here, but that's a whole message right there. If, if, if God's people would arise and get involved in some things, this nation would be changed. Our nation is, 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 is the way it is today simply because you and I, as good people, as good Christian people, has not arisen and got involved in those things and let our voice be heard. You say, Pastor, I don't believe that. Oh, yeah, you're wrong then. You're wrong. We've just sat idly by and we've allowed prayer to be taken out of schools. We sat idly by and we've allowed unborn babies to be killed upon millions. We've sat idly by and all the liberal agenda and all these things are being pushed in our face today. You can mark my word down, church. Listen to me. You can mark my word. We think it's happening out there somewhere. We think it's happening out there, but uh-uh. It's coming to the front door of the church. And we will have to deal with those issues. We will have to make a stand at some point in time. Hello. God's people had moved in. And God was in control. And so Peter and John were released. And they go back and they report everything that had taken place. Their response from the group was immediate. They lifted up their voices to God in prayer, the Bible says. And the message here in this passage is that they had recognized that God was simply in control. There's at least four places here that we see evidence of this. The word sovereign is used. It simply means having complete control. Having the power and authority to make decisions without any outside control. It means supreme authority. That it's God that we serve. He is sovereign. You were made. You made the heaven. You made the earth, Lord. You made the sea. And you made everything in them. It is God in His sovereign work and His sovereign power that allows you and I to be alive today and worshiping Him today. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at Isaiah chapter 40. The Bible says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand? Who has measured heaven with a span? Who's calculated the dust of the earth in a measure? Weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket and are counted as small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing. 
saying, And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor it be sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing. They are accounted to him less than nothing and worthless. That's the God that we're speaking about. You may think you big and bad and all that, but you ain't nothing compared to who God is. America may think they're a free nation. America may feel like we're a great and a strong nation, and I believe that to be so. But can I tell you, when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father, we ain't nothing compared to what heaven's going to be like. We ain't nothing compared to what God is going to be like. We ain't nothing compared to what Jesus is going to be like. Amen. He holds the world in the palm of his hand. And if he can hold the world in the palm of his hand, why can't he take care of my little issue? Why can't he take care of my little problem? Why do the nations rage? Why do the heathens rage at times? Because they know not God. They simply need to turn their face and look to the Lord Jesus Christ from whence cometh our help. And he will strengthen us. He will give us the power. He will give us the source that we need. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, you act like you believe that. I do. Or I wouldn't be here today. He is God. He is our sovereign Lord. He is our ruler today. He is our supreme being today. The last point is this. Acts chapter 4 verse 29 and 30 it simply says that God is the source of our healing, not man. He's the source of our healing. He's the source of our healing. In this church, this church, we've seen the healing power of God. In this church, we've seen God heal. You're sitting here, some of you, you've been healed by God before. We've seen God heal those who are losing hope. We've seen him at times do a work in their heart that's never been done before. And for all of it, we give glory to an almighty God. We give glory to a powerful, matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 31, though, the Bible says, how many knows that, that many times God often shakes things up? Oh, yes, he does. Why? Why does he do that? Because we need it at times. Man, I don't have time to stop right here, but we we, we got to be shaken up at times. Why? Because we get complacent. we got to be stirred a little bit. Why? Because we get, we get despondent. we got to be moved a little bit because, because if we're not careful, we, we slip back to the same old, same old. Can I tell you everything you've got is not yours. It's God's. He's just allowed you to be keeper over it. Amen. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. At our church, he shakes things up. In our city, he shakes things up. These people were shaken up in this scripture here. J.B. Phillips made this statement. He says, anyone who opens his personality to the living spirit takes a risk of being considerably shaken. Can I, get a, can I, can I just get in the flesh just a little bit? Sometimes, I'm, I'm going to confess to you. Sometimes, I will shake people myself. Because they need shaking. Oh, yeah. Sometimes in the flesh... I want to shake them a little bit myself. Wake up! Because I see them going down the road that they don't need to be walking down. I see them doing things that they shouldn't be doing. I see them saying things that they shouldn't say. Can I tell you, church, there's power in your tongue. There's power in your tongue. There's life and death and the power of the tongue. I can either pick myself up or I can put myself down. 
I can either go forward or I can go backwards. I can either do this or I can do that. Why? Because God give me a free choice. He give me a will today. Can I tell you if I understand that and I know that to be so and if I believe this book that simply says I am made in the image of Almighty God, then I ought to be strengthening it today. I ought to be thanking God because I am His. I ought to be thanking God because I know that I am His child. He's bought me with a price. He shed His blood for me. He died on the cross. And can I tell you this? I'm not trying to be a little boastful or or, uh, conceited, but if I was the only one, he would have done it anyway. But I ain't the only one. There's several more in here that God died for. There's several more in here that God shed his blood for. Pastor, you don't know where I come from. Don't have to. God died for you anyway. You don't know the mess that I'm in today. I don't have to. God died for you anyway. You don't know the junk that I have to contend with. I ain't got to. Tell it to the Lord in prayer and he'll take care of you. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he shook things up a little bit. You can't study the book of Acts without being stirred because that's where the early church got started. Young church, a a vibrant church, a committed church, an enthusiastic church. A body of believers who believe that they could go out and change the world. I want to ask you a question. Do we still feel that way today? Do we really feel like that we could go out and change the world today? I submit to you we don't. We like to come to church and we like to get stirred up a little bit. Now I'm fixing to preach to us right here. We like our emotions because, hey, we're Pentecostal folk. We like the emotion stuff. We like to come and shed a few tears because it makes us feel better. But does it change us? If we could ever get this in our spirit of who God is and who we are compared to who he is. And what he feels about us, Brother Roger, what he thinks about us, we would go out and change the world. Peter and John, they, they, they literally thought, hey, we'd go out and change the world. They didn't have nothing. They were uneducated, uneducated guys. They didn't have no formal training or anything like that. But this group was a committed group, a body of believers that, that could change the world, turn it upside down for the Lord. But it is also disturbing because this is the church as it should be. And it's not the way that it is today, I fear. It's not the way that it is today. But he goes further to say, by modern standards, they may have been naive. Well, Lord, help us to be naive then. And maybe perhaps because of their simplicity, well, Lord, make us simple then, if that's what it takes. Let me get rid of my education if if simplicity is what it's going to take to change the world. If if, if, if I'm going to change the world, let me be a little naive then just to go out and just take God for what he says. Hallelujah. I mean, do we not preach if God said it? He'll do it. If God made a statement, he's going to do it, right? I'm not talking about man. I'm talking about God. I'm talking about God. If God said it, he's going to do it. By simplicity or being naive. It may be because their readiness to simply believe, their readiness to simply obey or to give or to suffer, and if necessary, to die. The Spirit of God found that He could work in them because of that, because of, because of their actions right there. He began to work. He began to move. He had freedom to work. And because of that, they turned the world upside down. He turned the world upside down. Let me remind you one more time, church, you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. 
a heavy price. You were bought with a price. Too many of us today, listen to me, too many of us today are shaky about our faith. But we're not shaken. We, we shake a little bit, but we're not stirred. We're not stirred to change anything. We're unsure about what we believe. We're not living as changed people, but there's power in the name of Jesus if you'll just receive him today. Amen. Only musicians, if they will, to come. little story I read the other day talking about a little boy that had not been in bed very long. I want you to listen to this. This is, this is a great story. Not been in, in, in bed very long when he fell out and he hit the floor. His mama asked him, says, son, what happened? The little boy said, I don't know. I guess I was just staying too close to where I got in. Y'all laugh, but I'm fitting to hit you. Change is a process. And the problem we have today, because we can't change, because we stay too close to where we got in. We don't, we don't wade out in the water. No, it's too deep out there. I can't swim out there. This, this ankle deep water here, I can handle that because, oh, it feels good. It's refreshing. I like getting a little splash every now and then up, up, upside my body and my face. I love getting that, but, but for me to wade out means I've got to volunteer for more things. For me to wait out a little deeper means I gotta get committed a little more. For for me to wait out a little deeper means I gotta I gotta really believe that he said that he's gonna touch me. Come on, somebody. And we don't we don't want that. But the Lord says there's power in my name. It's there. there there's power in my name. It's there. Brother Rains, come up here and help me just a second. If if I if I told Brother Rains right here that this book right here, that we know this is the holy word of God, this is the Bible. There's strength. There's power in here. There's, in this book, it gives us a roadmap to heaven. It gives us instruction. It gives us insight. All those kind of things. And if I told him that if you take this book, it would simply, ch- you want it, don't you? It would simply change your life. I mean, it would totally change your life. Are you following me? If he would take it, not only just take it, but open it up and read it. Study it. Let it be applied to his heart. If he would take it, it would totally transform him. He wouldn't be the same anymore. And if I held it out, and if he just put his hand on it, it ain't going to do him no good. If he just took it and went home and put it on the dresser somewhere, it ain't going to do him no good. It ain't going to help him. But if he begins to open it up, and he begins to read the words that the Jesus has given us there to read, and understand he, he begins to burn in his heart. It begins to burn in his life. I want to tell you, you're talking about a radical change in his life. There's power in the name of Jesus. Not only that, if he reads that and understands it, he just says, you know what? I'm just naive enough to believe it. I'm just simplified enough to believe it. I ain't got to have all the these and thous and whatever for and what for. I'm just going to say, Lord, if it's you, then give it to me. Amen. If you want me to have it, I want it. If you want to give it to me, I'll take it. Amen. Because this is going to change his life. Now, we just use this book. Thank you, Brother Rain. But can I tell you this morning that there's power in the name of Jesus today. All you've got to do is call upon the name of Jesus today. And this little boy says, the problem, Mama, is I stayed too close to where I got in. It's a process. It takes time. It takes time. Don't ha- it don't happen overnight. But we do the same thing with our faith if we're not careful. We stay too close to where we get in. And we we never move closer to the Lord. 
Some of us are still at the same place we was 30 years ago. Some of y'all ain't hear me. Some of y'all are still at your place where you was 15 years ago. You've not moved in. And you wonder why things is going on and happening the way they are. You got to move. You got to move. You got to do something. Move is an action word. You got to move. You got to do something. Thank God for his salvation. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Because, Sister Marilyn, if I didn't have his mercy and grace, I wouldn't be here today. Thank God for it. But I can't just let mercy and grace at that, just that alone keep me from not growing. It's good. We need it every day. But I got to move. I got to move. Listen. This ain't mine. I stole this this week with me and Brother Dwayne at the, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the conference. But it blew me away. There's power in the name of Jesus. If I heard it one time this past week, I heard it several times that we are supposed to be raising kids up underneath us. Every one of you. As a child of God, you're supposed to be raising up children underneath us. The Lord says, where are my kids? Where are my children? He says, I'm a king. So where are my heirs? Now this blows away your concept of just coming and sitting on the pew and enjoying the service. Sorry. It, it blows you away. The king says, I'm a king. So where are my heirs? I'm the king and you're the bride. Listen, you want to come and lay up with me all night long, but you don't produce kids. You want to come and enjoy my fellowship, but you ain't producing any children. You want to come and sleep with me all night long, but you ain't producing no kids to come up underneath you. There's power in the name of Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. We, 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 we isolate ourselves sometimes to get along because we're not producing anybody. We're not producing those underneath us. Listen, Mama and Daddy, I know you come up a certain way. I did too. I'm of the age now I can enjoy the old stuff and I can enjoy the new stuff. But if we ain't bringing up kids up underneath us, they ain't going to worship like you. They're not going to sing like you. They're not even going to dance before the Lord like you. They, they're not even going to look like you. They're going to have a different look about them. And there's a whole message we could get into here today concerning the millennials and, 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 and what, their, what their likes and dislikes are today. But I want to tell you something. If this church, if this church is not willing to change some things, if this church is not willing to do some little things different and allow others that doesn't look like us, doesn't worship like us, get involved, it will not be no church very long. Are you hearing me? There was a man, Jim Rayleigh. Never heard of the guy before. You may have heard of him in, in Tampa, Florida at Calvary Church. He's 50, 50 or 52, 51 years old. This guy got up one time and he, he, he was preaching to us. And just to look at him, I'm thinking, I ain't going to enjoy you. I mean, he just had that look about him. Sister Sue, he was built like me, but he had on skinny jeans. Now, I want you to picture me in skinny jeans. It ain't a pretty sight. And it wouldn't be. But this guy had on skinny jeans. Why did he do that, Pastor? Because he wanted to be relevant, relevant today to the kids. Want to be relevant. Say, Pastor, you ain't got to do all that to be relevant. We can argue that point, and, and we'll save that for another time. But he had on a shirt 
t-shirt that sort of had skull look stuff all over it. It had a blue jean jacket on. But what got me more than any of that is that he had a big old pair of boots on, brogan boots, that was not tied up and his flap was just flapping. And he was walking like this with them skinny jeans on them boots. And I'm thinking, you're, you're, I, what are you going to say? But can I tell you something? When that guy started preaching, he preached one of the most awesome messages I've ever heard in my life concerning building up, building up the church with our kids. And he made that statement right there. He says, I'm a king, you're the bride, and you lay up with me all night long, but yet you're not producing any kids. And when he said that, it went straight to my, my spiritual core. And I thought, Brother Keith, who am I raising up? I mean, I, I thought, Lord, who, have, who, who, is in my, who is in my paradigm that I need to be getting with and I need to be investing in, pouring into, raising somebody up? Peter and John, they shook things up. They, 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 they went totally against what the normal church did of that day. Their result was the guy standing there, he was healed. The religious leaders of the day couldn't do anything about it. Because there he was, Sister Ruth. He was, he was right there in the flesh. They couldn't deny it. But they said, we're going to scold them. We're going to get on to them. We're going to release them because we can't really do anything about them. And we're going to tell them, don't preach the name of Jesus anymore. Thank God they didn't listen. Peter and John said, look, I don't know whether it's right or wrong for you or whatever, but I can't stop preaching the name of Jesus. And can I tell you something, church, as we close? Wherever you may be in your spiritual journey, wherever you may be, you better keep the name of Jesus in that journey with you. Don't walk it by yourself because I'm going to tell you right now, you can't. And I'm going to get a little bold right here. There's some of you sitting on the sound of my voice right now in this church that you're living a life that is not biblical. It's not biblical. And you think everything is okay, and it's not. You're deceiving yourselves. You're bringing judgment on yourself. It's right here. When Brother Rains was, it's right here. All you got to do is read it and take it. And you're living a life that you know is not pleasing to the Lord. But yet you keep on because you have justified your actions. There's coming a day. My Bible tells me that the dead in Christ is going to rise. We and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together. Those that's been blood, blood bought, we're going to meet Jesus in the air. There's also a scripture that says there's a judgment day coming. You're going to stand before the Lord one day. You're going to give an account for every word, every idle thing, every action that you have done. You're going to give an account. How's it going to be in your life? How's it going to be in your situation? We say, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. I don't have to. Follow the book. But boy, I I love this one and I love that one. I understand that, but follow the book. Well, you don't know the decisions I have to make every week. I don't just follow the book. Follow the book. Rest in the in the in the name of Jesus in your life. Rest in Him and Him alone. Because man's not going to save you. The world's not going to save you. Government's not going to save you. You better get sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sell out. Sell out to Him. We're, we got it easy right now. Hello? It's easy to serve the Lord right now. We have a freedom. We can, we can come in here. We lift up our hands like we've done this morning. We worship Him. We celebrate Him. It's easy. And His wonderful love is so real to us.
How is it going to be? How is it going to be when the church is taken and you're left? You think it's going to be easy to serve the Lord? Now, here's my prediction. I believe on the Sunday after Jesus comes, the church house will be full. I, I believe that. But their oil in their lamp, Sister Nett, was not full. They missed the bridegroom. They'll cry all they want to. They'll cry all they want to, but to no avail. Jesus says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time.